Okay, let me set you up about this next episode on the podcast. So today we're going to be talking with Amy Shedd. And Amy is truly amazing. Her mind goes everywhere, just like mine. And I really love that. I love the science aspect of her mind. The creativity, the artist inside her. But I also love that we could just go on a variety of topics, literally, and what you'll hear several times, about PBS. Amazing channel to watch, by the way. Quantum physics. Artistic uh, ability and using the arts as a way of thinking. We'll talk about spirituality and just a variety of other things. It was a really fun time for me. Uh, I felt like the best version of myself talking to Amy. So enjoy this episode. It's light, it's fun, it's serious, it's abstract, everything in between. Enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Amy. Amy? Yes. I'm pumped to have you on. I'm excited to be here. What are we going to talk about? Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, my life is such a vast array of things. We could talk about many things. Um, Oh, yeah. And then we could talk about what's going on in the world. Man, uh, yeah. Um, no, I'm just messing with you. I do. I, I really don't. I just, no, I have no intro. Actually, <laughs> my sometimes, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I, I will edit it where like I just after I do the introduction, like a separate piece, mm-hmm. it just launches into like the middle of the podcast. I'm like, eh, I'll just start in the middle, you know, or like, well, let's start like 10 minutes into the conversation. So you know, I might start where we were, might start where we are now. But How's everything going with you? How have you been affected by all of the this incredible time run of many different things going on? Yeah. Well, for me personally, it's been, um, God, it's been an array of things. So it's a lot of self-reflection and, um, and then it's a lot, what happened was when COVID first hit, let's just talk about that first, um, I really jumped into my leadership. I was like, that was a game changer for me, uh, COVID, because I was um, doing my business and maybe even uh, not really showing up fully in my business, right? I can admit that. Um, I think it's good to admit what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when COVID hit and everyone's retracting, all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, Amy, it's time for you to start showing up, right? So, and that's one of the things about me, um, you know, when called to leadership, I will, I will be the first one up, even if I'm afraid of making a mistake. So I, in that time, I really got into my leadership. I was like full force, you know, serving my community, uh, really showing up in my business and really taking it to the next level. And then, you know, as the next wave of um, disruption hits our uh, world and our community. Um, That was, um, you know, that's just so much pain. There was like so much pain around that um, moment. And um, I really went into some self-reflection on that, on that time, during that time. And, um, really figuring out how I can um, show up in my community and in the community um, in support of um, our changing world, because we have to change and it has to come from systematic change. And that's really, um, that's really exciting to me on some level because I've, I've, I don't, well, I've been a substitute teacher, so I am in, I have been in that system of education Mm -hmm. And I do substitute in um, lower income areas for, uh, you know, African-Americans and mainly um, Latino community. And I do see the, um, the discrepancies in education and in just, you know, it's just hard. People grow up, little kids grow up with trauma. 
Yeah, that's true. And then we expect them to be able to catch up to us, this uh, bigger community of affluence or, or uh, you know, things that are more attainable to us. Some call it white privilege. Uh, however you want to discuss that, it's fine. But, uh, you know, and then being a coach, you realize, they, you know, if I'm blocked by my, you know, limiting beliefs and my trauma is like, and their trauma is like 10 times than what I have ever experienced. It's, you know, there is like a huge gap that needs to be acknowledged and needs to be um, supported. And, you know, a lot of it is, is, is in our institutions actually. Right. Yeah. What are the solutions? I mean, have you thought in your mind, what are the tangible things that could be done? Well, uh, education has a huge burden on it. And I've seen this in the charter school because there's not a lot of money in the charter school. Like there is in, um, there's more money in the public schools, right? So the charter schools, there is, uh, you have smaller class sizes, which is great, but you don't have the support, right? You don't have the support for people who need support as much in the charter schools. Like public schools are great about that, better. I don't know if they're great, but they're better about offering support for the kids who need it. So um, solutions, solutions is, well, let's not make prisons for profit. How about that? There's one solution. The, private, the privatization of prison. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's let's start there, and let's start with uh, also, you know, really providing, you know, mental health needs to be looked at. I mean, it's not fair on any level to have people who are mentally ill in prisons. Um, and then expect prison guards to take care of them. I don't, you know, and understand them and help them. Um, what else? There's education. There's, you need, you need, um, community, community-based programs, uh, are needed for these kids. These kids need support and they need help. And I'm, I've been in education for about 30 years of kids, like, and I see, you know, I see kids at like <laughs> at their best, you know what I mean? Cause I have been teaching dance for 30 years about, and I see these kids at their best and it's such a beautiful thing. And we need those programs that they could be their best in, um, in their community so they can really experience what it's like to really, um, you know, get that leadership in them, get that feeling of, um, of happiness and lightness is something that they're good at. Like, you know, that's, I don't know, that's big for me. I love kids and I love supporting kids. So, um, I think that's huge. Well, it's kind of the whole aspect of, of life and how things start in your life and where yes. your, be your beginnings are. And I think oftentimes we, we look at problems in our society from where they're currently at instead mm -hmm. of tracing them backwards to where things began mm -hmm. for people. And often for people who have come from uh, abject poverty and difficult situations, abusive situations, we, we feel bad about it, but we don't really make it a huge priority to make a seismic change mm -hmm. about it. And we look at the cost of it or we look at how can this be done? Oh, and then we, we just say, Oh, well, you know, you should do better. Right. You should be better. I don't know anything that gets better if it was terrible for a long time, just because you want it to get better or that they should get better. Exactly. Or that. And so I think we are, we do a real injustice to people who have, who have been born into very unfortunate situations and say, just do better. Yes. Just be better. That that is that is not logical. That is not um, sensitive either mm -mm. to people. But we often do that to people. We say, "Why don't you just get better? Like, why don't you work harder, be better?" 
it, it can't be that. It just, it's not logical to think that. If you have been oppressed, if you have been beaten down, and this is anything in life, whatever situation you come from, if you have been told you were no good for your whole life, how do you become good after 30 years of that? Just automatically. It doesn't work like that. Life does not work that way for that. And I think that <clears throat> if I may say, you know, this American dream, this American, you know, like thought, we're Americans, we can do anything, you can do anything, you can be anything, this is America. On some level, that's, that's true. On another level, it's so not true. Mm. And I think that's what people go to. But this is America. It's like, that's just, just discounting that's discounting years, hundreds of years of, of oppression. And not it doesn't even need to be hundreds of years so much as also like today's oppression, like you were saying. Yeah. And and I remember, I, I'm going to tell you, I was teaching um, an after-school program at elementary school, and I was brought into one of the teachers' meetings and or district meetings or something like that. And if you want to get on and it was when when no child left behind. And then the, oh, yes. the way they were speaking, I was like, oh, my God, I can't. This is not going to work for the people like me. Hmm. I was just like, oh, this was like, and I'm trying to think when this was, um, I don't know, 98, maybe 2000. When did that happen? Some early, a long time ago. And I was sitting there going, I would never, I mean, I hardly survived myself in the education system until I went back to school later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But (laughs) not for lack of intelligence or smarts, but for lack of type of education I was getting was not fitting who I was. And then they were taking Mm. that, no child left behind and just amplifying that. And I was like, oh gosh, this is not good. This is just going to cause more division. And I believe it has. I mean, I think our education system's just high cost colleges is just ridiculous. I don't, oh my that's gosh. another that's just another that's thing. A whole <laughs> other, I got in a huge conversation. Okay. Maybe like forty podcasts episodes ago about the cost of college, the outrageous oh, nature of the cost of college and that while the cost of college has gone up exponentially, the experience is not that much different. And the the return on investment is not the same as the cost of it. Yes. Well, the education system from that point was like no room for artists, no room for the creative, no room for the mind that thinks beyond being told what to do. And I tutor, I tutor mathematics and chemistry and I'm one-on-one with these kids that are supposedly the trouble kids. And it's like, they're not, they just don't think in those terms. Right. So they don't think in terms of just, they, their mind works differently. My mind worked differently. What I needed was different. So anyways, that's a whole education thing. And, (laughs) but yeah, I did see once, once the no child left behind, I was very worried for our kids in this country. At that point, I was like, oof, this is not good. And um, so what we're talking about now, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) This is how this goes, you know. I think we're talking about your mind, Amy's mind. My mind. (laughs) Your mind, this incredible mind you have here. It sounds very artistic in nature. And I actually, I, I think I've grown an appreciation for people who have a very artistic mind. And I have certainly opened my eyes to the aspect of that. They're just... They're just people who they're they're not going to fit into your traditional school box, you know, no. the standardized testing Mm-mm. and the STEM programs. You know, I think these are good. It's just that you can't cookie cut life and you can't cookie cut education and say, oh, we need to get better in science, technology, math and engineering. And because that's what most people are going to be doing. Actually, it's not true, actually. Mm. And but then there's out there these there's these wonderful free flowing spirits these artistic, uh, incredible people who need a different version of school. Mm-hmm. They need a different version of school. We need to customize these things for p- how people think. I've met many artists throughout my life, 
And they said, oh, I was no good at school. I said, no, it wasn't you, were, you weren't good at school. You weren't, it didn't fit how you think mm-hmm. and how you learn. That's all it is. You're, you're good at school. It's just how it's delivered to you. Well, I just want to say that um, as a free thinker, walking into an institution with so many rules and so many regulations and so many things that uh, was difficult. And I'm going to tell you, because I went back to school in 2011 and I got my BA um, in 2015. So in 2012, I went back, oh yeah, 2012, I went back to school, sorry. And I was, um, I think I graduated at 47 years of age. And (laughs) that whole, yes, thank you. And that whole type of college education, the critical thinking education was where I really thrived. The critical thinking, the the exploration, the um, having my ideas heard and I can explain them and back them up, you know, that really fit me. And that would have fit me as a young kid. Mm, you yes. see what I'm saying? That, that type of like where I, because I was very creative and I was opinionated. I was like strong, but shy, but, you know, this weird combination of, you know, Really, my nature was outgoing and exploring and and my home environment was not that. So it would have been great to have an education where I could have really um, took my critical thinking skills and my ideas and made them important. And that's not uh, valued in in our lower education in high school. Actually, high school is is kind of better in the elementary school, but high school, it's like, you know, College, college, you know, it's like that whole thing. But yeah, so I did not thrive in high school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of kids don't thrive in high school and, and, and very, and it's traditional setups just because it's, it's just not how they think. Right. And, but it's, it's not, it's not easy to customize for people and people want to have plans where they say, listen, I want to. I want to implement a large system that is a blanket for all people, Mm -hmm. even though I know all people are different. Because if you customize it, you would really have to dig in deep into the weeds and have to really think about how do I create something that is, has different tentacles to it. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we, so we want everybody to go to the same track. That's the problem. problem. This is what this means. Like it's weird to me. Well, Derek, if I may say that's a problem until you get to private high schools. Mm. (laughs) because then that's where all the critical thinking outside the box thinking tell me about that i went to public high school i don't know i did too i did too but i have taught many kids who have gone to the private private high schools and i'm in los angeles you know so you're talking sixty thousand a year for these high schools so they're elite they are um they they, it's basically college education in a high school where critical thinking, thinking outside the box, really, um, you know, really challenging yourself. It's, it's all in these private, not, I shouldn't say all the ones that my kids that I taught dance to, they went to. So they do, you did, they did get that, uh, critical thinking, liberal arts education in these private high schools. And maybe people get upset with the liberal arts part, but <laughs> why? Why do, why do they upset I don't about know. I don't know. I just just in case some of your listeners might be upset by the liberal arts education, but um, it is a education. It is that's also a. <sighs> What's the stigma against liberal arts education? I don't understand that. Like, I it's fine. I don't like to say it. Like, what's the big deal? Like, uh, because I think um, just the word liberal in it might people have a problem with maybe I think, you know, people think you shouldn't be taught certain, uh, certain, you know, um, subjects or not subjects, but the reading is, might be only one way, you know what I mean? The right, the reading that you read might be too liberal. You're not getting Mm. the conservative view or the, the other view. And, you know, so uh, Interesting. I, I don't I think I've ever talked about this before. Liberal arts. <laughs> like, see, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, I need to talk about this. 
I'm like, well, uh, yeah. So I don't, you know, education is a whole nother thing. I mean, are, are we still teaching, you know, the same education that we should be teaching for years and years in economics and in, uh, in English and whatever? Are we, are we doing a good job? I don't know. I don't know. I actually think like school should be outside half the time too. Mm-hmm. Should be. I mean, I, I know this sounds very out there, but there's there's precedent for the schools in Europe, and they do, you know, forest schools and things of that nature. I know it sounds out there, but sometimes things that sound out there only sound out there until they've been adopted widespread by things. And sometimes it's good. I think we're connecting more of the dots as a society and how important nature is. Mm-hmm. And how in in larger things above us in life, and I can see that someday, you know, where we're like, hey, maybe we should be a little more different. Maybe we should be sitting outside and having school sometimes, you know, when based off the weather. I don't know. I just I just think I like different ideas, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes, well, a lot of times is as educa- education and anything in life. It doesn't even have to be education, is we just want to mass produce a product. You know, we want we want to have this assembly line of humans in one tract or what we deem to be the right tract of things that will elevate us, mm-hmm. whatever. Right now, it seems to be kind of your STEM-based stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't agree with it, actually. I think there's place for a lot of different minds, you know. Yes, and I hear that because I think you've mentioned that twice. So <laughs> let's talk You're about right that. I did. Let's You're talk about right it. I did. <laughs> That's why. Let's talk about that, Darian. Darian, <laughs> Doctor Darian. Let's talk about that as your coach. Um, <laughs> no, I think that. Um, well, I think we are at the point. We're at a beautiful point right now where. So many, it does even with COVID, like the way we're doing business, um, education. I was, I'm a big um, watcher of PBS, and me um, too. Oh my god, I love it. Especially, you've been watching. I've been watching PBS. All this stuff is incredible. Incredible. Oh my god, guys! Anybody listening to this? I have the PBS app on my on my TV. You got to go to it. There's crazy amounts of incredible documentaries. Oh my gosh. History. It's like, it's like mind blowing how much information you will get. Yes. And that's my go-to as I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Three (laughs) o'clock? What's going on at three o'clock in the morning? I I don't sleep. So yeah. Oh my gosh. So yes. um, If you want to expand your mind, watch PBS. If you want to learn what's going on in this world, watch PBS. It's just an amazing, amazing tool. I don't even, that's all I watch PBS and Netflix and Amazon or whatever prime. And we kind of have the same viewing pattern. That's kind of my, uh, whole thing. I just recently got on the PBS, but PBS does not sponsor this podcast. No, it does not. But we are just so passionate, passionate about PBS and I watched a special on there called The Age of Artificial Intelligence. It was like two hours long. Yeah. It was the best collection of information about AI that I've ever seen in my life on mm-hmm. PBS. Just yep. the way they produced it. It is n- n- no other Netflix, Hulu, Amazon has, not, has nothing on this thing. Nothing. I'm telling you. It's like so good. It feels like your mind's exploding when you're done with it. You're like, what did I just watch? <laughs> Yeah, you. If you want to really know what's going on in the world, PBS is a thing to watch because they've been doing it for years. They know how to do it. Yeah, and it feels very neutral to me. It doesn't feel yeah. like they're like this documentary is about this because we're really into this. This is what we believe. It's like no, here's the whole thing, mm-hmm. and here's the good stuff. Here's the bad stuff. Well, you know, like actual journalism, uh, like journal journalistic integrity. It's like. It takes you back to a time where it's like you were just reported about something and then you made up your mind how you felt about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I don't um, I don't watch the news. I watch um, NHK. Have you seen that? What's that? <laughs> it's the Japanese news channel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? That's crazy. <laughs> With the Japanese news channel. Yeah. <laughs> it's and that's the news I watch because 
it's a world. It goes to all uh, gives you news on China, Indonesia, all the um, Asian countries, and our own country. I don't watch our news, so um, and they are very, very um, good at reporting, and it's pretty. You know, it's not for shock value. They're very mm. neutral in their reporting. So yes, I watch um, NHK is my go-to news station, and uh, PBS. You just blew my mind. You literally just blew my mind. I'm yes. like, now I need to know more about this channel. Like, what I mean, like, so tell me more about what's on there. Like, I, give me some examples. Like, so you get the news uh, in China, in South Korea, and you get the news in um, yeah, Thailand, all the Asian areas. And so with this COVID thing, I was watching it through NHK because they're hooked up to China. So I've been, I was watching COVID stuff way before we were even talking about oh, it. Oh, wow. So, cause it was on and I'm watching how South Korea is dealing with COVID and watching how, you know, Japan is dealing with COVID, how they're doing it. Uh, so it gives you a different perspective of how other countries are Dealing with it. I think there's also DW, which is a German. They also have that on there uh, going on, but um, news station. But um, yeah, so you really get a great perspective about, you know, because the root of COVID is in China. And then you're getting like supposedly what's going on there, but you're getting great things from South Korea and from Japan and how they're dealing with it. Um, and they also have like little mini documentaries about Japan. Like, <laughs> oh, I'd be totally into that. <laughs> like, like show you the tea ceremonies and stuff like that. Oh my but, gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, that's my, that's my station to go to. Cause, um, I, I, I just feel like I don't feel traumatized after I watch it. I feel, <laughs> 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 I feel informed. And not traumatized. Oh, my gosh. I would say, honestly, I mean, this is clearly just observational in nature, but I feel like if you asked a bunch of people like, hey, would you just rather just be given the news in a very informational aspect and not being like blown up every time? They probably would want it like more like you're saying. Yes. But like, yeah, can you just tell it to me? Yeah. And then I'll decide how I feel about it. Yes. Versus like crazy stuff that you said all the time <laughs> i mean it's horrible i i'm an empath i oh, i cannot I, I cannot watch that and get out of bed in the morning i'm like i don't know how people operate and start their day and be happy and be productive like and i have to because i'm here it's only me right yeah there's no one i don't have a boss you know, I don't have anyone telling me what to do. So I have to keep myself, my mental health, it has to be, um, I have to take care of it. And watching the news, our news and shock value news does not take care of my mental health. Well said. So I do not watch it. She watches Japanese news. That's right. And I'm going to be watching just because I'm fascinated by how this is. What, now, what is it like? You get subtitles and stuff? No, what is it? no it's done in English. Oh, it is. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. See, I learn something new all the time and do these things. Like, very interesting. The PBS, though, I was already there. Okay. I was already <laughs> in All right, people. I'm very intelligent because I watch PBS. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> PBS Seriously, is a you watch COVID nineteen on PBS. Watch it on there. Unbelievable. Well, Unbelievable. I, I have a. I had PBS. I saw. Um, did you watch uh, Brain Plasticity with Dr. Michael Mersenich? Yes. Okay. Well, I saw that, and I wrote Dr. Mersenich, and I said, "Listen, oh. I am obsessed with brain plasticity." Here we go. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I saw you on PBS. Where you be on my summit? Yeah. Yes, he was on my summit. I interviewed. He got back to you, huh? I interviewed him, Doctor. Wow. My, you should hit him up. He's such a great. I, get, I oh do. Need, why don't you just introduce me? To him? <laughs> I don't want to do the actual work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I saw him on PBS. I was like, I gotta have that guy. And, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Wow, you went after it, really. So, what what did you like about 
your interview with him? What was that really caught you that you didn't know by watching what you watched? Uh, well, he sometimes, I mean, cause I, I tutor in mathematics and I really wanted to be a math teacher and I tutored chemistry and well, chemistry is a little bit different, but math, like the people and scientists and math, their brain really works kind of one way, which makes it difficult to learn from them, which is why I, which is why I'm good at tutoring mathematics because I don't, the way they speak, the language they speak is very difficult for people to comprehend. Right. Okay. So, and it is a language. So math is a language, which is why they should not take textbooks out of the schools, but whatever. Uh, math is a language. And so when they speak to you in the language, you're often looking at them and going, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So there is a disconnect in the way certain brains work and the, the way they communicate information. And this happens with scientists a lot and with mathematics teachers and stuff like that. He does not have that brain. He has a brain. Oh. Yeah, he has a brain that communicates like a normal person. He's not normal. Okay. He's, he's right. He is off the charts. Okay. But the way that he accesses information and then is able to translate it for us is beautiful. I see. So it's not, so what I'm hearing, I want to, I want to kind of summarize. So it sounds like what you're saying is, and, and I've experienced this too. Like when you talk to people, maybe in mathematics that they're speaking in a language that feels very unrecognizable to maybe the lay person who's not involved in that. Correct. But that he is able to translate that language into explain it in a way that is digestible for people like you and I. Yeah. Just, yes. It's uh, user friendly. User friendly. Yes. And it's, it's really in, surrounded by gratitude and love. Ooh, very different. And uh, that space, I would think. Yes, very different in that space, which is why he went into the languages, languaging part of the brain and not the like dissecting and the, the yeah. specific, yeah. that specific area, like being very specific, you know, only doing one thing. That's what you're going to focus on like that very small thing. He went into language of the brain, which, which then he was able to create more of a creativity, who he was and that creativity of that science. So yeah, he's a beautiful person. That's fantastic. Look what PBS has done for you in your life. <laughs> I, listen, it's no joke. It is no joke. I had no clue we were going to talk about PBS. Like and let this. me tell I'm just holding back all the information I have in my head. Really? About why don't Why don't you tell me more? <laughs> this is really, yeah, I do this podcast for me, okay? <laughs> I, know, I do it for a lot of people. I want them to hear it, but I am fascinated by more information. Spill the beans. Oh, God. Well, okay. Did you know we get a new set of bones every 10 years? Um, I mean, I don't think I know that specific number, but I, you know, I kind of, I kind of understood that on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that blew my mind and that totally was like, oh my God. <laughs> Your mind Wait was just exploding. My mind was like, our bodies are amazing. I'm fucking, oh, I'm amazing. I'm like, so how can I put this in my coaching? So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut or the dose of news useful today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine, and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences, and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed, 
It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text DONUT to 66866 to sign up today. Interesting. You, how, you know, there's a way for that. To yes. How can I explain to people or give people that gift of hope that you can like really influence the the age of your bones? So basically like you can, since you get a new set of bones every 10 years that you could choose to exercise, eat right. Um, you know, not smoke and not drink too much and all that and really keep your bones young. So you slow down the aging process of your bones. Like you have that capacity, like you have that power, you have that choice. So when you see these guys, like seven year olds, like doing these triathlons and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's because their bones, they could have a, you know, their bones could be 30, 40 years, 50 years old, even though they're 70 years old. You know, it goes back to really in um, exercise physiology in a sense that people who are older can have the functional capacity of people who are much younger than they are chronologically for that. But we tend to look at our bodies as, and and you know what, it's true, it's, it's a, it's in a sense a countdown clock over time, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's a de- deterioration. However, the level of deterioration is extremely overrated, extremely. Yes. But people just, al- they just basically, some people have the sense of like, I'm just, I'm just old. Yes. I'm just getting older. And yes. So they give up. They give, they give into the sense of their, 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 their biology, not yes. understanding that their biology is much greater than they think it is. Yes. And the brain same thing. Yes. And that's what brain plasticity is. The brain state, people say I'm old. So then they stop the growth of their brain. Like your brain can grow. Your brain does grow if you exercise it, if you use it. People stunt that though. And that's, I actually got into a great discussion about this regarding the future of retirement with people. Oh God. Right. Because that, that has a direct line to this conversation, right? Like if you're, de- if you're retiring and then you decide, Hey, I'm not going to do anything that's really going to stimulate my mind anymore, or my body, then it's almost like you're fast tracking yourself towards deterioration. Oh yeah. That retirement is a bad word in this, in my space. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's a good word to have in our See, vocabulary. See, See how this goes. <laughs> I'm not retiring for nothing. Nothing. What would, what would, no. So, what would do you just say? Think like no retirement, or what would you? Is there another word or another thing you would want to say about it? Uh, no, I want to keep working. I love work. I'm a worker. I've always been a worker. Um, I love, and because my work has always been like dancing, teaching, educating, service. So that's like part of one of my values, right? So that's. That's in me. So if I'm not doing that, I'm not living my values. So then it's like, I'm going to be hurting myself. I'm going to be going against who I am and my nature, right? I'm going to be going against my values if I retire. Interesting. And it doesn't fit me as a person. It doesn't fit who I am. It doesn't fit uh, my soul, because I love people and I love service and I love what I do because it's like, it's part of me. It's part of who I am. It's not separate from me. So my work, I like it. yeah, my work is me on some level on another level. It's not, but on some level it's just naturally in me and it's naturally in me to want more and not be satisfied with just as is. I mean, there is a level of satisfaction that I'm like, yeah, but then there's a level of like, I want more. I want to, I want to be on that big stage and speaking to, you know, thousands of people. There's like some ping pong going on here with you. <laughs> like, well, yes, but no, but no, no, but yes. Well, because, <laughs> because, because I think set, but because I think satisfaction belongs somewhere, mm. but I don't think yes. it, I think it belongs somewhere, but it doesn't belong in my 
creating my business and my, and my aspirations. Well said, you know, but satisfaction does have a place. I think so. Yeah. I I had originally thought, you know, this was several years back. I was like, okay, I have my retirement plan. This is what I'm going to do financially, blah, blah. And, you know, I will, I could retire when I'm 65. I definitely could, Mm -hmm. but I have changed my mind in that I just want the option to do it, but I, it's not going to happen. Like, I just want like, Hey, I'm not going to just like shut it down and be like, well, I'll be, you know, well, what was your binging on Netflix? What was your, uh, what, what was your thought process of making that retirement plan at 65? I don't even, it was just, I think it was the first time in my life that I had a financial advisor. They're Mm -hmm. they're still with me. They're great guys. They're amazing Mm -hmm. guys. Big shout out. And, um, they had asked me like, well, when do you want to retire? And I was like, I don't know. I never really thought about it like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then it was this discussion, 65, 67, like, you know, in terms of like 401ks and all this stuff they had put together. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, this is when you could do it based off of projections, whatever, who knows? Market's Mm -hmm. crazy here and there. Right, right. Contributions, the whole thing. And I said, well, I think probably 65. And so, I mean, I'm on the path to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But as I've thought about it, I'm like, well, I just want at least to have the financial option to retire at 50, 65. If mm-hmm. I, I want to have that, but actually doing it, probably not going to happen. Yeah, probably not going to happen. I'm going to keep working um, because I feel like, you know, the way we think about work is changing in yes. my sense that people are... I feel like the people who just like do nothing, they think it's a great, like, oh, we're going to do nothing. What if I do nothing? And I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't seem very fulfilling to do nothing. You know, like you're at home for two weeks and you think, oh, this is great. But after like a month, you're like, you feel useless. <laughs> you know, it's like you need to have something to do that's worthwhile, you know? Yeah. I I, I just, I get depressed. <laughs> Let's just say it. I'm like, yeah. I just get depressed. I get like, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't even know where to begin. Well, like, I think we're changing our idea about what that means to retire because more people who are like coming up throughout the, the times are just, they're looking at it differently. And, and really that what retirement was set up for is not what it is currently. It was never meant to be this, the way it is. Uh, we've created that. This, this narrative about, you know, Hey, what a good job you've done. Retire to do nothing. To play golf or something, you know, or I don't or even just, think that's feasible. you don't even do that. I mean, most people have a rough time even even getting to that point financially, anyways. But I don't know. Don't you still think like you if you're gonna if we're gonna live longer, if we're gonna have increase our lifespan, we need to have things that are worthwhile to do as we get older, and not just be like I don't know. I just let myself go. Like, well. Yes. I And I think to myself, oh, okay, I got a good 30, 20, 30 years ahead of me. I'm like, and to be honest with you, I am here for the ride. Okay. I am here on the earth for the ride. I'm here to experience as much as I can experience in my life. And, you know, I really accepted that and I took that on and I've, not lived a traditional lifestyle. Uh, I didn't think that, by the way. Just yeah. So you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it is for me to really, yeah, for me to really expand and grow on that ride, you know, I have to take care of my, myself, like my own healing, right? Yeah. Right. So, but I've always been like, I'm here to live. I'm here to experience it. I'm here to do things that probably I maybe shouldn't be doing maybe. Uh, but I'm here to do it. And I think that I retiring doesn't fit into that uh, narrative. Yeah. You know, you make, you're making me think of these things. I, I've told my friends kind of, I don't think I've ever said this kind of in a public thing, but I think also like this, is just me. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to be slightly immature throughout the ages, like slightly like really a little bit, like maintain a somewhat sense of being immature, like kind of like, I don't know, like it's sometimes I think it's fun to just do stuff you shouldn't do. Everyone, no, I'm not 
advocating for like criminal behavior. Not no criminal behavior. That. We're not saying that. Okay, let me put this disclaimer <laughs> out here. The disclaimer. I'm saying. But hey, you know what? Every once in a while, uh, you know, I blow it out a little too much. Maybe drink a little too much. Uh, no, every once in a while, I maybe stay out too late. Then I, you know, what I mean, oh, like, you know what I mean, stuff like that. You know, like this is whatever. Like, I don't know. I think if you come too straight laced and you're not having any fun, and not that those are the requirements of fun. I'm just no, giving those are not a couple of examples. Of, mm-hmm. It's just saying, you know. Or I don't know, like you jumped in the ocean with with your clothes on or something. I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, I, I can go on and on with examples, but like, you know, like, let's take that one for example. It's like, well, I'll get my clothes wet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes it's good to just be a little mature and go, eh, it doesn't matter. I mean, really, you know, yeah. why not? You know, or who knows? It could be anything. There's lots of examples to that, but there's some level of immaturity that I think is kind of fun to have as you get older. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that sounded weird. I got it. <laughs> you might. Well, I, you're calling it maybe immaturity. I'm calling it more like, a, I don't know, playfulness and openness and curiosity. Interesting. I don't, you know, like I don't need to, I don't know. I have this, you know, those are my superpowers. I'm very curious and very open. Hmm. And, uh, and I, that, that has allowed me to really be a great teacher, a great person to teach leadership, um, because I I just love people and I love their expression. I, I love calling them to their leadership. I love allowing that space for that, that playfulness or that, that, I don't know, it's like an openness that you allow people to come into. And I'm really, I really love that about myself. And people always say, you sound like a little kid. You sound so young, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it invites people in, right? It invites people in. It, it allows people to come into my space and, and really do and say and be who they, they are and who they need to be. I feel like you teach a retreat somewhere or something. You know, I, like, <laughs> I don't. I don't teach a retreat. It's getting this retreat vibe from you. Yeah, you should. You, know, you like, should come. You should come to one of my dance classes. Okay. Oh, what's that like? <laughs> well, dance classes. You know, a high level of expe- expectation, a high level of precision, but in a beautiful, playful, loving environment. What does that mean? That means that. <laughs> like, let's dive deeper on that. Well, because a lot of times in dance class is very famous for being very strict and very uh, judgmental and harsh. And the dancers in there are, everything they do is not good enough. And they judge themselves and they're looking in the mirror, just looking at all the things that are wrong. And it's a very painful place to be for dancers. And they live their whole life doing it that way. And I don't care. You don't have to be a professional. I don't teach all professionals in my class, but they still have that. Oh gosh. It's like a stressful energy. Right. So I walk in and I, I implore that they let that go. You know, I implore like they let go of that so they can actually live who they really are in their dance. And that's with anything you walk into, like I said, it's like walking into a school institution or an environment where you, you have to conform, you have to squish down, you have to suppress who you are. I don't advocate for that at all. I don't like it. And I, when in my dance classes, everyone is encouraged to open up, be vulnerable, go bigger, uh, make mistakes feel it. Don't just do it. Don't worry about the technique, feel it, you know, really try to open them up because dancers are uh, very judgmental. I I mean, I had to go through that evolution. I had to really let go of my perfection and my fear and my, and get vulnerable with myself and my audience and uh, my students for them to really learn from me and to like connect with me and to really make sense of what's happening. Cause I'm living it. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
There's a lot going on here. That's a lot. I, I really like it, though. You know what? You're <laughs> like a very creative, artistic person, it sounds like. Like, you're very open and it uh, seems like to ideas, creativity. It's just very refreshing. Mm-hmm. I think so, but you know who knows. That means a lot. I don't know. It's just like, like, well, Darren, <laughs> you know, I had to get here. You know, I had to shed a lot. I had to let go of a lot, and we all do. You know. So. Yeah, but you know, I think artistic people, who are like really, it's very native to them. Yeah. Hopefully, you're hopefully because I mean, I always consider myself to be somewhat artistic, but I don't feel like I have it like you do. But I feel like people who really like, man, they're like so into it like i feel like hopefully time is more moving more towards them in a sense hopefully and how things are done because it's just beautiful you know we can't keep putting people in boxes all the time and say oh you're just you know because like if somebody's listening to this and they go oh amy she sounds really like liberal she sounds really like super you know hippie or something like that is this way, and like, why can't why can't Amy just be someone who's just like very into different ideas, yeah, and expressing herself versus she has to be this type of thing, or Darian has he's he has his doctorate, so he has to be like this mm-hmm. because he has his doctorate. It was one of the big reasons why I got my doctorate was to to break the mold of like the stereotypical wearing a blazer with a you know pens in the in the pocket. I wanted to be a very different version of mm. what people thought yeah. that was. Very different. And say, hey, you can look like me, you can have a blonde streak in your hair and have a 90s um, box with a skin fade and black earrings mm-hmm. and have a doctorate. It doesn't matter how, you know, label me. You know, <laughs> like, I'm not what you think I am. That's right. Thing, you know? Yes. I feel that all the time. I feel that because you you say those things about me and yet I'm very technical and very uh, like, you know, I'm a very I have both left and right of my brain going. So I'm like very specific about certain things and I'm very uh, gosh, I think I'm just a technician. I'm a technician and a creative at the same time. Mm. So yes, I do watch PBS, and I um, I I, I do. I'm, <laughs> it always comes back to PBS. I'm telling you, no, it really does. And I'm big on education, and I love mathematics, and I love articulating uh, technique and explaining it, and getting into the depths of what technique is, and it's all just amazing to me. I feel like we're very similar in this mm-hmm. aspect. I, well, as I've gotten older, I've become much more creative and mm. more open to the canvas of creativity. But yeah. I still maintain a heavy sense of science and of uh, technique, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I often, I've, I've really kind of adopted this, and I really think for me, it's my personal thing. But I feel like. Through, through science, you can find spirituality, and through spirituality, you can oh, find yeah. science. I mean, the stuff you know? going on with quantum physics and Oh, my and God. Oh, my God. You don't want did to. You, <laughs> did, did you watch that? Oh, my gosh. It's so, uh, we just exploded. Dress right here. When you say, I just right to you. That's we just exploded. Saying. That's right. Well. We just had an explosion. <laughs> So, right, if you watch any of these specials about this stuff, <laughs> that's right. And I, and I love it. I love it because I grew up in an atheist home. And that, w- that was very painful for me as a creative, mm. painful as a creative person. Oh, mm. painful. And I, I recognize that. I'm like, oof, that was tough. You know, really just having these out, you know, beautiful ideas and people saying it doesn't exist. Boom. <laughs> you know, you're just no like, conversation. No, no conversation. conversation about it. There's no conversation. Okay. So, I, and I got in 2002, 2002, I started going to meditation, finding spirituality. And it's this whole process for me of mm-hmm. finding my, my, uh, I'm going to just say mother God, if I may. Uh-huh. And really hooking up and, and really accepting and, and asking and and just praying to something higher than myself was huge. So I really um, 
and it's a struggle for me at times because I just growing up in as an atheist, you do it's everything is on you. It's all you based. It's all, everything is just you, 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 and that's really put perfection on me, which I had to really shed, and I really didn't grow much because of perfection. Um, I was very uh, just a whole thing. That's a whole nother show. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> So when I hear quantum physics and God, I'm like, yes. Yes. Let's do we, this. <laughs> we literally exploded at the same time. Yeah. We were like, oh! <laughs> because if you actually take the time, like, like me, I'm very into quantum computing, quantum entanglement, all of that stuff, like very into it. Mm -hmm. But I'm also very into spirituality and God and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But the society will tell you, you can't be into both of those things. That's right. Time. These two things are not mutually together. And I always say, have you actually studied it? Right. Have you actually taken the time to look very deeply into both realms and all these realms? You will see that they find each other. Yeah. When you do that. Yeah. You got to be open to it. You, if you just allow yourself to, like you said, you know, if you grow up in a home like that and there's no conversation, there's not even an option, mm -mm. then you will just say, this doesn't fit the box I'm in, so I will not explore this other option mm. for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a guy on Liam, um, oh my gosh, McClintock, great guy. He has this app called FitMind. Mm -hmm. um, so good. It's about meditation, whole thing. And we were chat. We had this great, very big existential conversation. The whole thing, and we were talking about science and spirituality. And he turned me on to the fact that, like, the Dalai Lama was doing. Um, he's working with scientists and researchers about what he believes. And he said the Dalai Lama said, "I'm open to changing my mind about what I believe if science proves it differently." Mm. How huge! of a thing is if the Dalai Lama mm -hmm. is open to these different things, why can't you? Yeah. And that, that really hit me hard, but it also in a sense was like, you know, there's so much that we could learn from these different pathways. Mm -hmm. And if you watch PBS with Dr. <laughs> PBS <laughs> and you watch these shows, man, it's going to blow your mind. Yes to hear about these things come together, you will never be the same mm -mm. If, when you look at it this way. No. I'm into it. I'm into it too. And it, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you, it, I don't know. It's like spirituality is a lifeline for me. You know, here. And I think, you know, it is, you know, as I co, I do, it is something that was, I learned at like 33, you know, to really allow that in my life. But it didn't happen at 33, by the way. It's it's taken a long time. <laughs> it's like, that's when it started. Okay, that's when it started. Okay, let's clarify. Okay, let's just clarify. Here, okay. okay. So it because it's been a journey for me, and I think that it's important for people to hear that because it is a journey. And then when you're in it, it's still a journey. You know, yes. the acceptance. And then it's still a journey of of staying um Actually, for me, it's like staying in belief sometimes. Ooh, explain that. Because, you know, my, uh, you know, sometimes you just, you, you, like for me, it's like the belief, like even the fear to ask for help. Okay. From, mm -hmm. from, from the universe, from mother God, however you want to say it. Right. Mm -hmm. From God, from like, even that's like, it feels like a manipulation somehow for me, you know what I mean? And this is like, this is stuff going on in my brain. I shouldn't ask for things. You know, that's, that's not nice. Or that shouldn't be you know I mean? like, what the hell? You know, like, so, like, like, you know, Go they might, you know, it's like, it's just a whole thing for me. Right. So this is a process. Really? It's just a, I know. But I think it's good to admit it because we, we all fall off of it and we have to find our faith again and we have to find our, we have to find our vulnerability to be vulnerable to something higher than ourselves. And I'll I said again, yeah. And I think that, you know, you have to have, you have to have the faith, you know, you have to have that, that belief in that, that I don't know what it is. It's like a, a knowing, a knowing that someone 
that something higher than yourself is there to support you. I think, I actually think people are coming more around to it than ever. Um, yeah. They're starting to recognize that, um, that you, uh, are in a very finite shell. Yeah. But that your existence, your, your consciousness is an infinite mm-hmm. experience. Deepak Chopra talks about this quite a bit all the time. And, but I think if you really allow yourself to deeply experience uh, what that means, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to deny it. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for me, I'm always searching for ways to connect, to get, to be higher and those things. Like mm-hmm. I remember like the uh, first time I did mushrooms, I was like, yes, oh my God, exactly. Doctor. What? I've talked about this many times on my podcast. I've it's never done mushrooms. I have never done mushrooms. Okay. I don't think you need it. <laughs> I don't terrible. need it. <laughs> <laughs> Based off of what I'm hearing. <laughs> but I did it and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was truly, truly life altering and I'd already had spirituality, religion in my life before that. So it's like, I was already kind of, I was already there, but it pushed me further into mm-hmm. all of that. And I plan on doing it again. Actually, I'm going to go on a psychedelic retreat next year. I've, mm-hmm. I'm telling everybody right now, I'm going to do it. I'm going, okay. again, going in again, man. Yeah, Making it's true. your declaration. It's going to happen. I got like six people lined up to come with me to Jamaica for this <laughs> thing. Man. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Well, I think- I'm not telling you. I'm out there, man, too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, go Dr. Darian. I'm on your side. I won't be You're there, like, but I'm on your don't side. Don't <laughs> into this mission about it. Jeez, man. Well, I'm just you, all connected. You know? Yeah. And I tell you, like, um, you know, my fiance passed away in 2011. And I think in his passing, yeah, I mean, his, who he is. And who his essence is still with me. Mm. And it's with me like almost, you know, almost on a daily basis. It's here. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we are here. We are infinite. We are here. And I just feel like that has really helped me also uh, get more in touch with my spirituality and my higher power. Because it's like, God, that connection, that connection to people who leave is undeniable. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. And it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. You know, just the thought about somebody who passed away 20, 30 years ago or nine, 10 years ago mm-hmm. and how I always get really moved by when I watch a special or some, and somebody who is like maybe like 80 plus years old mm-hmm. and they talk about somebody who passed away like 50 years ago mm-hmm. and how upset they still get mm-hmm. and how emotional it pulls at them. And you think that was a long time ago, Mm-mm. but man, that thing is sticky. It is sticky. You know it why sticks it's, with you. that's right. You know, it sticks with you because they're here with you. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yes. they are here. In fact, it took me three and a half years to realize, like I was like in my bedroom and I, and I, and I was like three and a half years after. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm by myself. Like it was just this weird feeling where he must have finally just left for a while. And it was that moment of like, no, I'm, I'm like by myself. Like, cause he was with me so strongly for three and a half years. So strongly. And I was like, Whoa, but now he comes and goes and I could feel him, but there's, it's almost, you know, his essence and, uh, and my best friend just passed away a couple months ago too. They're, who they are is so deep ingrained in me and they're there. They're like, everything I do is like, they're there. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. This has been one of the more uh, enlightening conversations I've had in a while. I mean, I'm having conversations all the time and they're all really interesting. Mm -hmm. There was, there was a vibe from the get go on this one, man. There was (laughs) like, (laughs) There was something going on immediately. Immediately. You know? Yeah. Just the whole thing has been like special. Very oh, special. Thank you. Yeah. You're definitely coming back on because there's there's a lot to talk about. I oh mean, my there's... God. <laughs> 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 there's a lot going on in the brain of Amy. Yes. Uh, 
And I don't want anybody to forget this. Of course, you're sick and tired of hearing about it right now. Go watch PBS. Yes. It changes your life. Yeah. Whatever system you're watching it on, your phone, tablet, TV, I'm telling you, download and watch. Or you could just watch with your rabbit ears like I do. I don't have cable. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you could just um, watch it with your rabbit ears. <laughs> don't, don't do that. On uh, your TV. Uh, like, Amy's on an island by herself. That's right. Strike that from the record. Uh, it still works, people. <laughs> you don't need to spend all I that I can't money. support that. I, oh, I'm no. not sure what just happened. Um, but anyways... <laughs> On your smartphone yeah. or your TV, okay, your rabbit ears, which maybe one person, maybe <laughs> me, you are me. still using, uh, watch it and you will be enlightened um, and uh, you know, hit us up about it because yeah. uh, I think it would be a good conversation. Yeah. Yes. You need to introduce me to that guy, by the way. Oh, yes, I will. I will. He's, oh my God, he's so great. Michael, yeah. Dr. I want, I want Michael Mersinich. You introduce me to him. He's going to be on the show, whether he knows it or not. Uh, okay, but you have to tell him you're obsessed. Use my words. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm obsessed with brain plasticity. Is what I oh, said. I not- thought you were going to say, tell him I'm obsessed with Amy. And that's what it was. Oh, like. no, 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 no. Don't say that. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. But that's what I was projecting that you were going to oh, say. Oh, no. Just say you're obsessed with brain plasticity. Okay, he, and that's that, what that's what works. That was the key phrase that got him on my summit. <laughs> okay, I will, doctor. I'm I'm obsessed with brain plasticity. With an explanation mark in your email. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's just what I needed to seal the deal. I mean, I mean nothing like an explanation mark. Yeah, it's true. I I, I could actually talk about that too, but I'm not going to get into it. (laughs) Exclamation marks. I have a guest coming up. We're going to be talking about that. Seriously. Mm. Uh, But anyways, it was awesome to speak with you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.